Welcome to Piercing the Veil on BBSRadio.com, a show for truth seekers and rebels. Join us every week as we obliterate willful ignorance, corruption, globalist agendas, and more. Tune in every Sunday at 5 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Pacific, and listen carefully as we provide crucial solutions, information awareness, and unique life hacks to improve our planet. Pierce the veil, and the truth will reveal itself. All right. Greetings, world. Welcome back to another episode of Piercing the Veil Radio. We've been gone for a couple weeks, about three and a half weeks now. So you may have heard a few reruns being broadcast every Sunday. I appreciate you hanging in there with us. There's always lots of good truth nuggets that you can find in some of the old episodes there. So uh, I really appreciate you listening. Uh, This actually is being recorded on the 23rd of August. So you will be listening to this on Sunday, the 27th. Uh, we had a few scheduling issues on our end, and our guest was uh, gracious enough to work with us, and he's he's just been there every step of the way. So uh, I want to introduce uh, Reverend Kevin Annette, and what we're going to do is basically do an expose on some things that he's been working on, his life's work, if you will, in a brief interview. There's a few things that we want to get in in the uh, meat of the show, and then you know, the, before he can do his bio and all these things that he's been working on for the past 25 years. But we really want to get into some really hard questions, some things that maybe he's not had the chance or opportunity to express before in the public domain, uh, if he's willing. It, it seems like your whole life, uh, I read a little bit about your story, and the, um, I started with the detention in 2011 that you experienced, and also uh, the story that you had about the hooligan pack as a young boy. I was uh, similarly situated in my in my little town in Texas here at that age, so I was doing similar things. I, f- I found that very awesome. Uh, so you started out as a rebel, and it appears that you, you really studied the religious scriptures and texts very hard and, and took away some truths or distilled some truths from those that weren't really being taught. There's a lot of um, mind control involved with mainstream religion, at least in my opinion. And from, from your point of view and what you've expressed about the words of genius, or excuse me, Jesus, uh, Kevin, so am, am I on track so far, basically, where you're at? You, were, you started off as a rebel, you started doing your own digging, um, you have some very profound insights on who Jesus really was. Uh, you know, again, he was a rebel and a, a truth seeker and a very balanced individual, not overly spiritual or religious. He's a very practical person and was not just there for, you know, spiritual peace and oneness, you know, contrary to popular belief. Is, would you agree with that statement? Well, absolutely. And, you know, the proof is in the way he died. Um, the Romans didn't crucify people for religious uh, heresy. They were stoned to death under the laws of the time. Crucifixion was reserved for anyone who took up arms against Rome. And uh, that's always been the disconnect for me as a young boy. All of his words seem to suggest some kind of of radical social transformation that he was advocating. He said, you know, things had to be turned upside down. And yet here he is sanitized and really destroyed um, by so-called Christianity. So, I mean, I knew that at a young age, but going into a place like Port Alberni, on the west coast of Canada as a newly ordained minister, and the terrible things I found there in the Aboriginal mm. community, 
and the legacy I began to hear from the, the eyewitnesses, the survivors, it kind of confirmed to me a lot of my earlier impulses <laughs> and assumptions about what, what Christianity really was all about. Yes, there's so much cognitive, I agree with you, there's so much cognitive dissonance contained in the, in the dogma or the way that these religions are presented, especially in the seminaries. Uh, obviously, I don't know from firsthand knowledge, but I have friends who have expressed the same concerns to me, and I've done my own research. There's just so many dualities and, and opposing, opposing dichotomies that are there on purpose to confuse, and, and they're misrepresentations of spiritual truths. And, you know, things like... Uh, uh, oneness and, and, and the golden rule and, and things like that, those are all just understood universal truths. Now, what I understand and what our listeners understand, uh, Kevin, is that the Vatican, or Rome as you called them, uh, the Vatican is the corporation and the corp soul that administers the interest of ancient Rome as it stands or what is left of it today. Huh. Uh, they have really over the years been the source of a lot of genocide and evil and death and destruction and even going back to Pope Boniface, I believe the eighth or the ninth, and the papal bulls, where they issued a, uh, a de- they set up the first historic trusts and issued uh, declarations claiming the you know the bodily material and the souls of every person born on this planet, so on and so forth. Even to this day, you have people like uh, one of the Gambino crime family uh, members admitting on his deathbed, basically that the Jesuits and the Vatican controlled all the Chicago and the New York mob. Uh, mobs and mafia for you know from the get-go so they've got their fingers in a lot of pies and and what you've seen is really the nitty-gritty deep dark uh child trafficking abuse pedophilia rings that are administered uh, everybody's aware of the state-sponsored terror uh, excuse me terrorism but not very many people are aware of the state-sponsored kidnapping and the pedogate scandals and things like that are finally bringing this to light and people are some people are having a really hard time dealing with that or coming to terms with it. And you've got people like yourself and myself and Corey and our listeners, on the other hand, who are actively seeking this information. So um, I want to give Corey a chance to ask some questions here, but w- I also want to hear some of your background. If you can maybe just go through the, the relevant or pertinent points that you want to hit or you would like to touch on sure. and bring us up to today on what you're really doing now. Sure. Uh, well, like you mentioned, it began 25 years ago, actually, this summer, when I moved to Van- uh, Port Alberni. Young family, I was, uh, I have two young children. My youngest had just been born a week before we moved there. And, uh, you know, I was very naive. And in a way, I often tell people our naivety and ignorance can sometimes be an ally. Because if I was aware now, back then, I would never have even walked, got involved in this. Just the, uh, the, you know, when we're complicit in so- with something, um, we can't see, the light hasn't gone on, we can't see the monsters all around us in the dark of what we're part of. And that was certainly my situation. But I began to hear about it from the Native people who began to come into my church. I invited them in. I opened the doors. I went out to the Native reserves. First Native home I went into, I began to hear these stories of children being killed deliberately in these so-called Indian schools. And, of course, that was a cover. They were extermination centers. Half yes. the children died. Uh, you don't have half, a ch- half the children dying over uh, nearly a century, year after year, unless it's deliberate. And we, we've established through my book, uh, Murder by Decree, uh, you can find that at murderbydecree.com, uh, all of the evidence is there, the records, even the government and church records showing the massive death rate, the practice of putting children sick with tuberculosis in with the healthy and then never treating them, um, the sterilization experiments, the all of it. Uh, clear genocide under international law. 
Um, and of course, the the perpetrators have all absolved themselves of of the crime. But what what that unleashed was quite interesting because for about ten years after I was fired for bringing this stuff up, that would have been 1995. Not until about 2005 or six did any of our work begin to pay off. We we had to do ten long years of struggling. Uh, I had been fired. I lost my family because the church had gone and helped my wife leave me. They paid for her divorce and everything. They wanted, like with any whistleblower, they want to do, they, they go after your family and your job. And they Com- complete you. the moralization. Absolutely. Psychological warfare, try to demoralize yes, you. And of course, it backfired on them because I just kept at it and it, it gave kind of a wake up call to everybody. They, they were saying, well, why is the church, United Church spending a quarter of a million dollars getting rid of this minister? I mean, you know, you don't just do that to anybody. Obviously, he's sitting on something. And sure enough, for 10 years, we, be, we brought out this stuff. We were doing protests. I gathered the survivors of these crimes, gave them a voice, did documentary films and conferences. We finally started occupying churches on Sunday, and that's really what began to get to them. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Sun Tzu says, you strike at what they love, and it doesn't matter how big the opponent is. They have to respond. Um, that's exactly what happened. Within a few months of us doing that, the government issues a so-called apology. They start acknowledging that many children died. And then we went international, and we began to indict the Vatican directly. And that's a whole other story. That's kind of like phase two. Yeah, that's actually – thank you for that. that. That actually wrapped up a few details I was going to ask you some questions on. But phase two is something we really want to get to, um, the formation of international tribunals or common law tribunals and the pers- the prosecution of the state for persecution and crimes against humanity against individuals is so paramount and important. And there have been a lot of people, you know, with the free man sovereignty movement and you know, all these different things, there's so many different regurgitations and misstatements and saying that this case law says this when it doesn't and all these different things that over the years has really given the government some teeth in uh, attempting to crack down on this type of stuff. Now, when somebody comes along and does it right, founded on the Magna Carta or spiritual principles or universal rights that cannot, you know, be declared or denied or whatever. They're just, they just are, they exist. You exist to be able to have, you know, a, a perfect harmony with your environment. And when that is disturbed, you have the rights to, you have a duty to enforce your rights to compensation or to have it fixed somehow, which you have been doing. You mentioned you did some international work. I see that you've uh, set up an actual tribunal or, or a major contributor there too. And I also see that maybe you had at some points along the way some uh, some overt assistance from the actual uh, de facto authorities, people like uh, police investigators and, mm-hmm. and police and stuff like that. And I just want to segue over to that because that's a real big issue for us is the courts and the police system. I would like to know what your thoughts are or maybe some, some of the biggest things that happened to you with regard to the police and whether they helped you when you came to them or if they were part of it and they turned you down and made some excuse, but you really knew that they were in on it. Is there anything that you can enlighten us about that situation? Yeah, well, the reality is, you know, we live in a criminal system. I often call it a corporatocracy because what the way we've been taught to think about society doesn't bear any relation to the way it actually is. We all know now that that uh, corporations and moneyed interests run the government, run the courts, when I began to uh, find the hard evidence proving that and their whole legacy of crimes, you go up to police and they know all this stuff. They know what they're serving. And a classic example of that is when we began to occupy churches in downtown Vancouver, first thing I'd do when the cops show up would say, these are taxpayer-funded 
or uh, institutions. We're here peacefully to m- make a message. These churches are criminal bodies that traffic and kill children and have rules allowing that to go on. With, and so when you stand here defending them, you're part of a criminal conspiracy. Every time I said that to the police, they backed off. They didn't do anything. Now, um, that's kind of a small example, but when, when you take it wider, um, when you stand in your own power, you have tremendous uh, power. It's kind of like uh, uh, the way we are ruled is by our unconscious acquiescence. And as soon as we awaken to our own power... Only a few of us can cause tremendous change, and you know we've proven that in practice. We began to go to the Vatican uh, in Rome. I had a small group there that had invited me in in 2010 after we had formed the tribunal in Dublin. This is a, a tribunal of different groups, a lot of whom had been were victims of the Catholic Church, had been trying to bring cases in court. Um, we did uh, actions right outside the Vatican. I remember this really good one. I, I did an exorcism in October 2009, literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, a ceremony, and the next day this tornado hits Rome. It was really hilarious. First time in 40 years a tornado <laughs> hit Rome. And uh, that week, in the press, the Pope at the time, uh, Pope Benedict uh, Joseph Ratzinger, it was exposed for the first time that he had been signing letters ordering bishops to cover up not just child abuse, but child trafficking, passing That's children right. around. Okay, right. that had happened, and the interesting thing is that I realized by that action um, we were unleashing tremendous power, the power of truth. And uh, once you stand in that, you really can't be harmed as long as you keep going. And that's, I realize this, the, what they try to do is scare us all the time. And yes. so I say to people, just take that, those kind of steps, convene your own common accord, and you'll be amazed at the kind of power you have and also the support that you're getting from people within the system who are trapped and yet sympathetic. So, you know, I've, I found that time and again. Excellent. And did you have any specific uh, instances where you had physical police presence on your side when you went to go interdict or stop one of these things? Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember once in during the critical period in Vancouver, this was 2007, leading to 2008 when the government finally buckled, and the churches panicked because they didn't want their, their uh, basically their, their services disrupted because it stopped mm-hmm. the money flow, which is their main concern. And... Um, uh, the police showed up one day, and I went over and I talked to the, the sergeant, and I showed him a document that one of the, the traditional indigenous leaders had filed in the British Columbia Supreme Court, ordering all of the churches in Vancouver off his land, because he, his people had never signed over the land to the churches to build on. And he said, as traditional CM, uh, or elder of our people, of the Squamish nation, I'm telling you to get off our land. Well, I showed him um, the document, the police sergeant, I said, this has been filed in the Supreme Court. And uh, it's a legal document. He's evicted them <laughs> from his land. <laughs> and the police sergeant looked at it and he said, uh, well, I guess it's a legal document. I'm going to have to enforce this. That's right. What was interesting was he then went into the church and I thought, great, here we go. And he then came out about 20 minutes later and just left. And he pulled his men and they all just left. So obviously, oh. politically, the archbishop or whoever spoke to him, right, and the cop didn't want to go up against it. But I remember going down and talking to these cops again. And what one of them said is, we don't have any protocol for doing this. It doesn't mean you're not right or legal, but we just haven't done it before. And I got the same reaction in Minneapolis once where we talked to some federal marshals there. Um, I had been approached by some people um, in South Dakota, a group of farmers who had been convening their own common law court to stop these election, uh, illegal evictions 
uh, where corrupt judges would issue evictions on farmers at the yeah. behest of banks and mortgage companies to grab their land. We had all the evidence that they were doing this illegally. The marshal said, yes, we should arrest that judge, but we've never done it before. We don't know what to do. So it then becomes a political question. You need an authority that goes above the present system, and that authority is the common law, which has universal jurisdiction. It's what America was based on. It's right there in the Fifth and Sixth Amendments, or Sixth and Seventh, giving everyone the right to a common law grand uh, trial by jury. Um, it's right in the Constitution. So, especially in America, we have tr- it, we're like a sleeping giant. We have this amazing power, and yes, the police will come down on our side uh, if we push enough. It's just a matter of relative force, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and also exposure and then directed force. Like you said, the relative force, exposure, and then directing all that at, in one targeted location that really is important to that system. Right. And, and obviously in a nonviolent manner, but in an enforcing manner. And what I find here in America is just a – it's just a shithole, Kevin. Like they do not follow – I mean I've been involved in family courts and civil courts and criminal courts and supreme courts and appeals courts all over the nation on every little thing you could ever imagine from evictions to you know uh, child trafficking in the family court system where basically it's a pay-for-play system that got shut down in the county – Next, uh, the next county over, the FBI shut down all those judges and actually arrested a few people, which is rare that the FBI actually does yep. their job like that and is not running around, you know, doing these false flag events with their informants and shit. But they did shut it down, and then, lo and behold, the county next door just kept on running on the pay for play system. So it's it is very much a political thing. They're like, oh hey, look what we did. We're actually, you know. We're actually doing what our mandate is, but in the, in the secret, in the background, all the directors of these intelligence agencies and so on and so forth have been co-opted, uh, many through a Masonic system, but it doesn't stop there because the high levels of Masonry, as I said before, are controlled by the Jesuitical uh, factions yep. and the military Jesuits, who are also the enforcement arm and military of the Vatican structure there. And the Vatican owns, through various treaties, they own everything in in England. The King of England granted everything, the Bank of England, all of that stuff. And because the Americas were still, on paper, a British uh, slavery plantation, and they just only got physical freedom, uh, a cessation of hostilities, it's it's basically all been conveyed under the the umbrella of the Vatican Corporation, if you will. And so, yes, it's very much political because those are the ones that are controlling interest stock shareholders in all the 130 corporations in the public domain that, that the corporatocracy that actually administers the systems in conjunction with the international bankers. And I know that was a bit of a segue, but it's important to touch on that. The, the one word that you – the hot word that you used was political, and this system has been used, this political structure – the money and the lobbying and the shielding and the exempting themselves from their own laws and so on and so forth that goes on in so many different countries, it's been used as their main vehicle for stealing, whether by eviction, by tax, by you know bleeding somebody dry in a family court case because they know that that is the parent that cares more than the than the parent who's a shitty parent, so they award you know the the child to the shitty parent. They make the good parent try to prove that they're still the good parent by hiring eight thousand dollar an hour. Uh, special consultants that are giving kickbacks and partial stuff to the judges. It's just a whole big mess, and it's all used to extract energy. There's a there is an underlying satanic, demonic right. 
uh, agenda there, and it, it's mostly administered when you talk about these sac- sacrifices and rituals and ritual killings of infants and so on and so forth. It's done by the Ninth Circle, Ninth Circle cults. And, and so we can get into all that stuff, but I want to let Corey uh, maybe ask you some questions here, and then we'll just sure. jump in. We're kind of bouncing back and forth between our That's two right. main points. It's all connected. Yeah, <laughs> That's why I'm going in and out because it's all intertwined. Yeah. So, Corey, is there anything you want to ask Kevin? He can respond as he wants, and then we'll move forward. Well, Kevin, first of all, I'm, I'm honored to uh, be on this call with you. appreciate you being here with us to share your experience and uh, mm-hmm. to give my uh, cantankerous arrival, but <laughs> I made it somehow. Um yeah, I mean, the, the you touched, uh, you mentioned a, a term a way back, and it's about fear, you know, along the lines with what you're saying, Jordan. Uh, this this other <clears throat> thing that they're trying to, uh, you know, with all their chicanery and their, you know, fake quotes and smoke screens and what have you. Um, I think it's ultimately about about fear. There's something that these people uh, derive value from somehow by causing fear and chaos and uh, distress amongst people, and particularly people who uh, who take the extra step of challenging them and attempting to expose them. And uh, I I was very much impressed. And by what you were saying in terms of uh, if you have, you know, if you stick by your guns and you know what you're doing is right and uh, you're willing to continue at all costs, you you get a spiritual protection. Because, <laughs> oh, absolutely. Because the fear, the fear is, the fear is always there. It keeps us. It keeps us alert, you know. Uh, yep. Gentle as a dove, wise as a serpent. But we're not over, when you're not overcome by the fear, when you use it as motivation, uh, something happens. You know, something very divine or mystical, you know, energetic. Something happens where it's like a portal, like a gateway. So uh, I was that very much impressed me. Uh, when you when you made that statement, and uh, again along the lines of you know the the so-called sovereignty movement and a lot of the things that that Jordan and I discuss and, and that we're into, uh, that seems to factor in a great deal. Right now, there's <clears throat> there's information, there's all kinds of information, there's all kinds of paperwork, all kinds of processes and things. Uh, some more. Uh, complete than others, um, but a lot of it that I see the people who are, for lack of a better term, successful in their endeavors, uh, there's a certain spiritual cover, uh, mm-hmm. for, for lack of a better term, that's uh, it's palpable, and uh, uh, clearly, uh, I, I get that I get that from you, even listening to you as you speak. So. I would just I mentioned that for for people yeah. who are listening to to take note. 
And you can, thank you for that, Corey. And you, Kevin, I just want to jump in real quick. You can see it in your picture, brother. I don't know if you know this, but if you just look at a picture of you online, it's coming off of your face. And I've had people say the similar thing about me. Uh, if, you, if you're not aware, I've done similar things, but on the court side of, of uh, the coin. So I'm going in on, for myself or other people and standing up in front of judges that have been throwing people in jail left and right, doing all sorts of crazy stuff. And, and when you stand in your power... It is like a spiritual energy that rushes through you and out of you and hits them right smack in their face. And no matter how much authority or bias or, you know, how much they think they're going to put you in jail, it just doesn't come out of their mouth. It doesn't happen. And you're protected somehow. I've literally stood there. You know, I've been carried away by five bailiffs horizontally saying, you know, and I'm converting you on all liability as surety for this matter. And the actions that you're taking are uh, uh, deemed an automatic admission of guilt. For liquidated damages of $100,000 without your you know, franchise benefit immunities, blah, 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 blah. And I was supposedly going away for 30 days on contempt. That's what they were carrying me away for. And four hours later, I was out with all my property and no charges. Yeah, well, you know who God is, man. They know who kind God of in, is. In physics, you're kind of reversing the energy flow because the whole system, yes. like you're saying, for millennia has been based on uh, – the majority of people releasing, handing over their energy, whether it's mental, yes. spiritual, whatever, uh, through taxes, through voting, through courts, whatever, handing it over to a few people vicariously. That's why it's interesting. The official title of the Pope, Vicari Christi, means the replacement of po- of Christ. Yes. So you're supposed to hand over all your energy to this one figure in Rome. That's how it's a symbol of how the whole system operates. What you do, what you did there in court, what I'm doing, and others is simply taking it back, what the Mohawk Indians call reclamation. That's right. When they, do, when they do reclamation programs, they stand on their land and they say, no more bulldozers, we're reclaiming our land, just like we've had to reclaim our, our own mind and soul first to be able to do that. So that's really, uh, it's, it's kind of this energy vampirism the whole world is operating Yes, for. We're reversing the flow. You're absolutely right. It is about energetics and flow and the direction of it and the who is taking the offer and who is making the offer. So I've literally had a judge tell me, and I talk about this all the time, the judge is telling me, sir, sit down or stand over there or be quiet. And if you do that, then he's automatically got his personal jurisdiction. They always presume subject matter jurisdiction in a criminal case, and so they always proceed. But when you, when you take his order and you do it on your own terms, he says, sit down over there. There say, I'm going to sit down over there if nobody objects. Right. And he said, be quiet, sir. I'm going to be quiet until we can resolve this matter without my body and time being held as collateral and mm-hmm. if nobody objects. You know, and so it's sort of like um, a, a notice and claim of, uh, a notice of right and claim of understanding right there verbally. Do you remember the whole right. uh, Elizabeth Ann Elaine Society and Robert Menard? That's where I got a lot of good key right. points. Well, it's interesting, too, because yeah. it, we, we talk about this, including the whole energy flow issue in my book um, about uh, the common law training manual, uh, Establishing the Reign of Natural Liberty, which is also you can get through Amazon. But um, I, I bought that, by the way. It was an excellent yeah. read. Good. And now, here's the thing. You know, you were t- describing earlier the power of the Vatican in all these countries and everything, like even the financial concordats where taxpayers' money is handed directly over to the Vatican Bank. Uh, it appears they have all this power, and yet, why were we able to, and not too many of us, just a small group of us, why were we able to force Pope Benedict and four other cardinals to resign? Obviously, I'll, their power is illusory. I'll, I'll tell conf- you why. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. yeah, and you already know this, but for our listeners, I'll tell you why. Because every single government and religious organized structure, with a few exceptions that are grassroots, but all of these things are designed to make you feel like you don't have power, when in fact right. the human soul is the most powerful, it's the most revered, honorable, powerful energy and force aside from the creator, which it's a part of and expressing itself as. It is just, it's so overwhelming to these if you want to call them dark entities or energetic minions, because all they're doing is serving powers that have been in existence for eons on the other side. And that's what the Gnostics and the mystery schools were talking about. Jesus actually participated in a lot of study and research of Eastern Buddhism sects and mystery schools and things like that, Egyptian mysteries. He was very well schooled in what most people today would call magic, and that's not talked about a lot. Uh, that's, uh, he was a very enlightened individual and balanced and, and completely off the charts. But what I'm saying is that there, everything is, is designed or geared to trick you or deceive you into believing that you as one person by yourself cannot affect a change on your environment, when in fact one person resonating in their truth and in their honor can affect it. the heart signature goes out endlessly. They have not been able to find a boundary for the electronic signature of the heart, and that's where the love and source and soul comes through. Mm -hmm. And so when you stand in that, like you're talking about, Kevin, and Corey, you mentioned this as well, what you picked up on him saying, that just resonates outward, and it's, it's irreparable. You can't stop it, and no matter who you think you are or how much illusory power you've um, accumulated, it will all come crashing down. And whether that's by, like, the butterfly flaps its wings and uh, on the other side of the planet a tornado – you know, hits the Vatican because you did a, you know, an, an exorcism in, in the middle of that chain of events or whatever, you know, random universal sequence or order has to happen for that power structure to come down. It will come down just by the instigation or the, the, the causation of that one individual person. So imagine a small group getting together. Like right. Did. Well, and, and, you know, of course, the, uh, in the three stages of an exorcism, the first, by getting the entity to name itself, it loses its power yes. and authority. Second yes. step is, is the expulsion of the entity, which we're achieving. But the third step is a hard one because it's, you replace the spirit with something else. And it's that replacement of the present order at a spiritual and a political social level that's the hard part because nobody has any models. We, have to, we create that out of our own selves. Right. And... Um, that's the part that's that's we're working on now. What are we going to create to replace it? And that's why a lot of the work I do is in workshops and, and working with people like you who are frontline, who are aware and awakened, and how do we unite? Because um, it's always the organization of that vanguard. And I go back to Sun Tzu all the time. <laughs> he, he wrote all the time, uh, designed – his stuff is designed for small groups battling bigger armies. That's right. And, and – um, he says all the time it's about um, reclaiming your power and setting the terrain of the battle, and that way your adversary, no matter how large, has to respond. But after a while, the adversary disappears because they only exist because of the power we've given them. Once we take sure. it back, now we can create something new, and that for me the issue is the issue now. Yeah, absolutely, and we're actually we're delving into that on our past episodes. We've been doing a Let's Build a Community Mini series comprised of multiple episodes where we talk about building sustainable communities uh, that are integrating primal um, technology with modern technology and uh, primitive skills and so on and so forth, integrated with modern stuff and sustainable technologies and, you know, uh, water fuel cells and 
uh, solar cells on the top of the roof where you cover them and fill them with water and a little bit of me- uh, excuse me a little bit of um, platinum that you dope on the solar cells itself and then all of a sudden usable methane gas comes out of the tube on the other side based on that you know reaction all sorts of different things to where people are not rely uh, relying in any way whatsoever including like re- wireless networks and phone service there's ways to do mesh networks and decentralized networks and currencies and smart contracts and so on and so forth and so we're very much solution oriented and i i am very uh, honored to be working with you and a like-minded individual as well who is in that phase because I, I hear a lot of naysayers and doomsday people that are like, you know, there's a problem. Well, yeah, everybody knows there, there's a problem. But now where do we go from here? Well, like you said, you start with the small groups. You start with standing in your power. You start with getting a few small successes under your belt. Then you gain the uh, notoriety, so to speak, amongst the evildoers, if you want to generalize them like that, to where you are a prickly porcupine and they still they want to go for the soft underbelly of everybody else before they come deal with you. But by the time you keep poking them over and over and over in all these little spots, your energetics are so strong that you've overwhelmed them because of their, you know, what would you call it? Pride, I guess, and not believing that it's possible. But at the same time, they're they're confused too. These the elites, so-called elites, these puppets and archon puppet slave people, and all these things, they're confused at the top because they're like, "Oh, we're supposedly all powerful, and we can do all this." And look, you know, we just bombed this country. We gave the order, and then that government passed legislation, and then they issued these storylines into the CIA-controlled White White House press briefings, and so we got public opinion in the entire na- of an entire nation on board with us going and doing the strike that we ordered secretly in the background, so that we could kill all these people, take their land, get money for the mineral interest, take all of our companies, and go in and get billions of dollar contracts for reconstruction. Oh, and by the way, we support our satanic energy-taking agenda by all these sacrifices. And then every single death that's shown on Netflix or TV or movies is also a ritual sacrifice. And it's all about looshing. It's all about harvesting the energy of these people, whether, like you said, whether it be mental or spiritual, to use for these purposes. Because as you've experienced, Kevin, and I'll let you get into this, but as you've experienced in the exorcism, the naming of something, to call everything by its right name. I think that was Thoreau. But to call it everything by its right name is important because the vibration or the resonance of speaking that name is what gives you power or control over that thing. So if you're speaking your own true spiritual name to yourself, you have the power. And if you give it up, there's, it's, it, the power is divested and some of that energy can be spoken by somebody else and utilized. So that right there is very important for us to, be, to do our spell casting in a good way. You know what I mean? Because that's what the English language is. It literally is spell casting. So uh, what do you think about all that? Or is there any important points that you want to touch on that you think we might have missed or something that you're not usually able to get out on these types of interviews? No, I mean, uh, our level of conversation is so much higher than uh, what we nor- you know, I normally encounter in radio <laughs> interviews. So it's, right. it's good. Um, we could go on for hours, but uh, yeah. we'll, we'll have to do some more <laughs> sometime. Um, but... Um, Hmm. Well, one of the one of the things that came to mind while you were talking was recognizing in the short term the power of disinformation because, frankly, uh, it reached a point from the campaign I was in where they realized, okay, we can't kill this guy because then that brings more attention, makes him a martyr. <laughs> we'll have to isolate him. If I was native, I would have been dead long ago. But I'm white and I have a professional privileged background and I had my hand on the evidence and I had – limelight on me. I had a lot of exposure. So 
what they had to do then was isolate and discredit. And you've undoubtedly seen a lot of the smear campaign over the internet. It's ongoing. Um, but I've I've seen at a at a just at a human level the impact that has because unfortunately we live in a in an age where people are predisposed to think the worst and to suspect people all the time. So uh, misinformants play on that. They well, play on people's need to fear others, find fault, and find a scapegoat for their problem. Um, and so in the in the last number of years, uh, you know the exposure we've had has plummeted. The uh, the, the support we've had on the ground has evaporated. And that shows the, their effectiveness in doing that. But at the same time, it shows you the truth of what we're doing and the impact we've had. Because they wouldn't have done that and wouldn't keep doing it all the time unless That's we're right. getting close to something. And I found that especially happened, like the attacks and smears tend to go in waves, but they especially happened when we surfaced the, the Ninth Circle Satanic Rituals in there you 2012, go. 2013. Mm-hmm. And sure. when we convened two common law courts that forced those resignations. Uh, they were worried because they saw that that was putting the hands back in the in the, uh, the putting the power back in the hands of the people, and so they had to blow that out of the water. So it's a sign we can use this as a litmus test of what works and what doesn't, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and then also, just I mean, you, you know that you're striking so close, and just understand and know that a lot of I know this instinctually, okay, and I know a lot of people know this instinctually, but a lot of the sources that I follow very highly and people personally that I know that are in the know are telling me that there is so much support for what we're doing, people like you and me and anybody who's doing it right or trying to escape the system or trying to take down these systems or trying to target or disrupt these satanic agendas, which really encompass everything, media, social engineering, finance, you know, land acquisition, international trade, all of it is tainted. They've done this. It's just been tainted. For hundreds of years, they've had this opportunity. But it's not like, oh, the CIA is after to get me, after, you know, after all these people, these whistleblowers. It's, it's not the IRS is out to get me or it's not the FBI is coming for me. It's certain controlled factions in there that are doing these nasty things. But here's the problem for them. The guys that support us are starting to outnumber them. All the white hats are starting to build their own factions internationally, like Russia, China, and the Pentagon, to my knowledge, are working together secretly uh, to go after these, what they would call the Khazarian mafia that came from the Khazars, you know, the the fake Jews and all these other things, these rabbit holes we could go down. (laughs) But uh, there is so much support for you, Kevin. And for me and for everybody like uh, Robert David Steele, an ex-CIA whistleblower, these guys are slowly leaking themselves. They're coming out of the woodworks, and the ones that are not that are staying behind, they're building dossiers, and they're just waiting for the moment to strike. I don't doubt that that's going on. And uh, we also, also have to be re- uh, aware of the other side of the coin on all this, and that is um, there are factions in every elite, right? And one faction, and I found this in the Vatican when I began to get approached by insiders that they were giving us information, that, yeah, there's a faction in the Vatican around Ratzinger, there's one around Bergoglio, that, you know, one represents the old Italian cardinals, the other represents the new kind of New World Order uh, types around Bergoglio. But, I mean, the point is, they're all representing the same system, and they're using dissent to bolster their own position. So, I love the old uh, saying in the Book of Psalms, Put not your uh, put not your face in princes, because ultimately we're all God filled, and 
the power has to come from the people and all of us. And so I, I think it's really a question of recognizing like something like Pizzagate. Yes, there was something real in there, but there was a lot of smoke created around it too because oh, what they do with this, when something like this comes out is they flood it. I mean, lawyers sometimes call it creating a paper trail around the real evidence. They right. flood the media with all these stories, and then you can't tell what's true from what's false. Well, you got uh, everybody else arguing back and forth, right. and nobody's exactly. looking at the true source that was hidden exactly. at the top. So they release this low-level, tiny bits of information here that's still important, a.k.a. or a la Pedogate. Sure. But yep. the ninth ritual satanic uh, power structures are what really needs to be talked about, and that's what they're deflecting from, like you said, leading the paper trail away. Definitely. Uh, yep. So, I mean, yeah, we're on the right track, but we can easily be misled unless we keep going back to fundamentals that we know arise within ourselves. And that's uh, – I find it interesting when you are talking earlier. I, it made me remember how, you know, in my reading of history, when you look at any revolution that happened, you look at France, England uh, in the 1600s, America, uh, you know, it, right on the verge, but just before things shifted – Everyone was, especially the official leaders of the, of the revolutionary movement, they're all saying the same thing. You're never going to see change in this country. Uh, <laughs> and then the next day, bang, things Boom. shift. And uh, usually, you know, there's a Lexington or Concord, right? And it just, bang, powder clay. Like John Adams said, the revolution happened in the minds and hearts of the people before the first shot was fired, right? That's right. And yet, he also said after... That it, it was a, it was awakened there, but it only consolidated once people formed their own assemblies. And he was talking about, you yep. know, um, like I'm, you know, the story of the Green Mountain Boys in Vermont. Long before 1776, they were closing down the court, the Crown Courts in Vermont and tearing up the mortgages and driving the land speculators out of Vermont. That's right. They were an armed group. They were doing that already. They had already started. You know, uh, they went up and seized Fort Ticonderoga when nobody told them to. And it's that power from below that is always the source of our strengths because it's God-given. It's given to each one of us, right? Yes, and and I I want Corey to jump in here with some of his points, but I totally agree with you, and I like your historical anecdotes. They're so on point. And uh, so like the Free State of Jefferson, or excuse me, Free State of Jones was like a real popular movie. Obviously, there's a lot of disinformation in there but is it a it's a perfect representation albeit you know like a century later of exactly what you're talking about and yes i do agree the main power is always with the person and the individual or the the small group community a tribal or community-based power comprised of a group of enlightened individuals who have a balanced respect for each other's mutual interests and then enforce those interests for themselves without relying on a nanny state in some regard and I, I do think that's the, the future of our society if we can ever get over this, like you said, the shift that happens, bang, right out of nowhere. And I believe there is a truly a spiritual component. It all comes back to the spiritual warfare that's happening. And, you know, let's just look at another example, George Washington uh, and the Declaration of Independence. Uh, I think right before they all voted to sign the Declaration and send it, there was a lot of argument. People were, you know— one foot in, one foot out, they're backing away from it, and they're like, oh, you know, we don't want to you know, separate this. This could be bad for our commerce and business interests. And then all of a sudden, a hooded 
cloaked figure, which some people say is Ascended Master St. Germain and all blah, blah, blah. Some spiritually enlightened person or entity, if you want to call it that, appeared in the balcony and gave such a compelling speech that lasted about like a one minute. I think it was described. George Washington Washington describes this in one of his letters to somebody else. But somebody, they gave such a compelling speech that instantly everybody signed their name. Now, what happened to most of those people that signed the Declaration of Independence? Their entire families and trade and everything was destroyed. Most of them were killed, caught, hung as traitors, shot, uh, you know, died of tuberculosis from hiding out somewhere in the cold or whatever. You know what I mean? But the fact is, the shift happened because there was this, this powerful speaking of truth. And when, when people like yourself and myself and Corey and everybody else refuse to not speak the truth to actually put their own lives in jeopardy, put, put everything aside and go, this is more important because it will cause a change. I think if we can get that ball rolling and people can come out of their responsive, reactive, socially conditioned, oh, I'm just a puppet slave and I don't have to take responsibility for anything in my life and anybody who disagrees with my opinion is automatically a Nazi and blah, 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 blah. We've got to p- either pull them out or break away and, and show them our own way, Right. Right, and I think you know that whole um, yeah, strategy of we're really about a remnant, and uh, they, there's a lot of this in the Bible. There's a lot of this in our own history that it's always minorities who make the change, but they have to separate into their own power first. They can't be part of the old corrupt energy sucking system, that's and right. that's that's been a real focus of what we do now. We have to find those remnant, unite them, and pull them out because we create a counterforce then. Again, it's physics, right? We create a counterweight over here, um, and people come to it. That's how new societies are created. You know, now, here we go. Just, just to add to that, I apologize for interrupting, Kevin, but you say it's physics. Did you know a smaller, if it's a, something smaller in physical size, can have more mass and more weight, um, it, like gravitrons and so on and so forth? So if our spiritual power is encased in such a small thing, even though we're small, we could tip the scale without accumulating a large mass. That's right. what's so scary to them. That's exactly what's so scary to them. It's like, oh, it only takes a couple of those guys to spark off a whole fucking revolution across the planet? Oh, my God, we got to make them think they're disempowered. All right, so please forgive me for interrupting, but I wanted to you you just like bringing up all these gold nuggets for us here. Oh, good, good. Oh. <laughs> oh, ask me more. It, it, it's good in dialogue, you know. Yes, yes. Okay. I, well, I wanted Corey to get a chance to talk, and and then we want to get you uh, an opportunity to plug your new uh, events or your books. And there's some three main things you want us to talk about. And when I uh, put the description in the actual show podcast on, I will put those three links and all your book links in there. But sure. just while Corey's talking, if you also in your in the side of your head, just think about some stuff you want to get out there to the, the listening audience and go for them. Yeah, Kevin, I, I have a question actually. Uh, in your work, for instance, with the uh, ITCCS, for example, um, what what's the, what's the most striking um, victory or or accomplishment or uh, or goal? That you and the people you work with have, or or incident, you know, that that uh, pops out to you the most, most poignant in uh, in the work that you're doing. Well, I think generally the uh, one of the most spectacular victories was when we forced the resignation of Pope Benedict in February oh, yeah. 2013, and then 
three other cardinals immediately in the wake of that, all of whom had been named in her indictment in the Carmel Accord in mm-hmm. Brussels. And not only that, but in the wake of it, the present guy, the child trafficker from Argentina, known as Pope Francis, um, yep. or Jaime yep. Bergoglio, uh, he has had to do the amazing song and dance number to try to convince everybody that, well, the Vatican is really changing. And, um, <laughs> you know, part of, it is to hide, it's part of it is to, it's to hide his own personal complicity, of course, in these crimes. Oh, of course. But it, it also represents a real shakeup. We're in a time like 500 years ago of Reformation, and you're going to see major splits in the Catholic Church. It's already started. And now is the time, you know, that's why he's trying to get everybody to join his one-world church. All the so-called Protestant mm-hmm. leaders are all getting into bed with Rome. And uh, even the Baptists, you know, it's amazing. So the, the top leadership of these churches is being seduced, but um, the rank and file are coming out. Like, I meet people all the time who say, look, we're, we've got to leave these false churches. We're forming our own congregations. Right. That's fine. That's what you got to do. Whoa. Oh, interesting. Sorry about that, Kevin. There's some weird background noise there. Please continue. No, I, I just... Uh, you know, that's how the American Republic started. It started through the covenant, the Mayflower Covenant, uh, with people forming their own spiritual autonomy, yep. uh, you know, from the Church of England, from Rome and everything. And out of that, they said, okay, if we can elect our own pastors and or a congregation, the country's got to be modeled on that basis, too, that the people are sovereign, not the government, not some authority over us. So, right. uh, you know, that's kind of the model. Yeah, and there's one thing that I want to touch on, uh, and I want to get your opinion on this. Have you ever heard of a cult of personality or a, a lot of power of exposure and and publicity being imbued upon one person or a lot of energy or property or respect or a concept being imbued in one person? Um, you know, vis-a-vis the Pope himself is is basically, like you said, the replacement for Christ. Well, why do, why is that so important? Well, let's see. Who was everybody praying to all over the planet, all the good, good little Christians that follow the mainstream religions? Who are they praying to on a constant basis? Who have they been taught to pray to? Jesus the Christ our Lord and blah, 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 and all these things. Well, if you know that a certain uh, – like prayers on you know a certain concept, ideas have energy basically. They're real things. They have tangible energy that, that can be measured in frequencies and it can be tapped into. And if you have all this ancient esoteric knowledges, which the Vatican does, they, they took all the stuff from the Egyptian schools, they took over the rhabdomancy, they would, they would use these sticks to find uh, underwater channels and ley lines and place their, all of their churches on positions of power, like the intersecting points on the grid of the planet. If you know all of these things, would it be really that hard to hijack that, that line of energy from everybody that's praying to Christ? No. Would it be that hard to find a vessel or a symbol or a construct or even a person to channel all that energy into to then accomplish your deeds and your actions or so that your actions have a actual weight to them, an energetic weight, sort of like when you go into a courtroom, even if it's just for a traffic ticket, and that's, that bubbly feeling in your gut gets to going and you feel all anxious and nasty and like you're some, somehow a criminal even though you know you're not? And even the most experienced of us that go in there feel that shit because it's black magic and the energy is palpable and being directed. So the energy being directed into force physically to support major global interconnected actions on national scales is what's being done through the Vatican. And it's done through certain appointed positions of power like the Pope. Do you agree or do you have anything to add to that? Or Well, 
Really, that's what the cross is. It's it's a grid system. When the, the Roman Empire was founded on, and then when the Roman army camp would move into an area, they would establish. That's where we get the grid system for our streets because that's, the Roman right. army camp would be the basis of the town. Well, you take a grid, and what's in the middle of it is a cross. It it re, you don't see the cross in any Christian church until the third, the fourth century, really, when it became corporatized with Constantine and Aurelius, mm. and. Um, before that, the symbol of Christianity was often this open-ended eternity symbol that we call a fish, right? But you see, it's open-ended. The energy is, is unlimited. And, you know, so um, absolutely right. But don't forget, the more we talk and think about these people, the more power they have. And often it's a matter of detaching and saying, they don't really matter. Like, we have to literally turn away from the existing institutions and figureheads because they're all fallen anyway. We have to find that within ourselves. And so um, I found once you do that, you can visibly see their power diminishing because it's all parasitic. Well, see, I, I agree with you on one point, but again, I would come back to your son, Sue. My tactic, at least for me personally, and it works, is that every word that I utter about some sort of negative thing, I have a contract with the universe, myself, and anybody who's willing to accept it on this planet, that... If I talk about something, I take that energy in, and it goes to me, my spiritual family, whoever else needs it that's around me. And so by exposing or by talking or by whatever, I am not actually giving my power personally. Other people may be, but I am taking power from them. And I myself have been the subject of energetic attacks, actual directed psychic attacks by these black magic cults, and a lot of people have. Yep. Uh, and, and and so what I what I experienced was my organs shutting down and failing. Like I literally felt I was dying. I, I fell to my knees outside and felt like my stomach was seizing up and everything was just slowly one by one going wrong in my body until I said, no, not like this. They do not have the right or the authority to take this from me. I will take it from them. So I basically just intended to find who was doing the energetic attack against me, and I found myself in a small little room, and there was some, of course, the hood plays a, a really central uh, role in some of these rituals. I don't know why, but all these guys just like to get dressed up in their fucking hoods or something. And you take a look at the court system and the judge wearing the black robes, that should tell you right there and there that all courts are ecclesiastical. And um, I've even had a federal, pro- I'm segueing here, but I had a federal prosecutor tell me one time, he was retired with a Juris Doctorate. He told me that basically the entire phys- uh, federal system, besides being joined into Admiralty and Maritime, is one big inquisitorial system. And everything is just an inquisitorial process. Anyways, it very much reminded me of the Inquisition to see all these guys, or most of them, I think they were guys, sitting around in a circle in their fucking hoods trying to do some, you know, some energetics and, and dark magic attacks against people. And I'm not saying that they wasted all this time on me. I had this odd, distinct feeling that they were doing these in batches or groups, if you will, trying to affect multiple, I guess you would call them light workers or truth seekers or whistleblowers, all at the same time. And so I had this insight of, well, if my spirit is here, maybe I can affect some sort of change in what they're doing. So I went around and started tugging on their ears and, you know, like just grabbing the sides of their hoods and trying to tug onto whatever I thought I could feel and grab onto and stomping on their their uh, their feet and things like that and this is all being done in my mind mind you while i'm being attacked and feeling like i'm dying in my body but it had a measurable effect of of lessening the pain and, and everything stopped stopped and it started reversing everything started feeling a little bit better here and there and i right. found at that point that my doctrine that i had always kept and never got the chance to test out until then 
of taking other people's energy back towards myself, even if they're doing nasty things or if I'm talking about them, whatever. I found that to be an unnatural instinct. I, I was feeling better and I started feeling more, more energy than I've ever felt before after that event. So I came back inside. I was like, wow, I felt like I was just dying, but I'm really hungry now. You know, right. one of my near-death experiences, I got shocked by uh, electric 220 electric, got blown back a few a few feet, and <laughs> you know, after I come to or whatever, I'm like, oh, I'm really hungry now. So I have this weird ability to just naturally suck up energy and use it to my own devices, and I just wanted to clarify that. So I, I got off on a little story there, but well, I, I wonder if you've had similar. Ninety-nine percent of the people who were we're trying to reach, and I don't mean the, the 85% who can't be, but the 15% generally who are open to this fundamental change and who are the basis of the new society, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even 99% of that small minority, they, are, they do not have that ability, and they get, the more we focus on talking about these people, the more their energy gets drawn away. And uh, I found that, here's an example that I, of my own that I went through when we did one of those church occupations, the biggest Catholic cathedral in Vancouver. We walked in with our banner. We stood in front of the priest. The banner said, "All the children need a proper burial." There were native people with us who, who were frightened. Uh, they didn't want to go inside that church because, as children, they'd been horribly tortured and raped by yes. these priests. Uh, but the fact that we went in there together somehow broke that control over them. And they were walking around talking to the people in the church, handing out flyers. When we walked out of there, everyone in the church stood up in honor to honor us. And the priests were totally helpless because the, the elders were drumming. There were 50 of us. We walked out, and they would have walked out with us. All those Catholics would have left that church, right? Wow. And that was a, a reversal of power. And this one priest literally turned and ran out of the church. We had broken them. We counted mm. coup on them in a major way, and next week, the week after that, the government announced they were going to start issuing apologies. We had broken their spirit there by doing that as a group, and um, we have to try to create those situations all the time. But it always takes a few to lead. I remember when when we, I, myself and one of the elders were walked into the church, and I felt a hand holding me back in this invisible hand. But oh. when Jerry and I broke through that and kept walking, it vanished. And uh, literally, the power of everyone together just was amazingly. So, yes, your example is, is brilliant, and, and I hope you share that with people. But even though individually most people feel they may not have that personal power, as a group, we do have that. And, and that's why I say, you know, we need to create those situations where that can manifest more and more. I totally agree with you, and I would ask, I wonder, and I'll let Corey jump on this too, are you aware of Steemit or blockchain or Bitcoin technology or anything like that? No. Well, not too much. It's kind of, I'm old school. I don't... Right. I, I, was, <laughs> I was a big holdout, man, for that for a while. But there is an alternative network or community that's it's sort of like the cryptocurrency Facebook or social media, if you will, and you get paid for uh, posting things of value and for curating other people's posts. You just you get paid in cryptocurrency. But what it's really done is allowed people to access a voice that's completely uncensored. You can build huge followings of thousands of people who are already primed and like-minded to expose this type of stuff. Already, there's like 18 different people that I'm with that follow me and I'm following them uh, that are exposing all sorts of things and whistleblowing uh, stuff and pedogate and all these different things that need to be talked about. But they're also very solution oriented, which is l- what we keep coming back to. You know, we got to we got to break through 
okay, that's what's wrong, break through it, now here's what's right. And there's a lot of people like that that would be willing to support you, help you, spread your cause, spread your word. Anybody who is doing stuff like we're doing is readily and uh, accepted and welcomed in that venue. And so on your own time and convenience and terms and research, I would suggest that you would probably want to go take a look at steemit.com. That's S-T-E-E-M-I-T.com. And by doing that, you may find some insight into either starting something like that yourself or creating some other, some, another uh, ex- method of exchange of information, because that's really what we need. Once we get the little groups together, we need to get in, interconnected in a solid, non-fuckwithable way or censorable way, like they're doing on YouTube and Facebook right now. And we need to build those connections and strengthen them, and then it, it, it'll, just, it'll, just, it'll just crumble from there. Everything will start falling apart. Well, it's interesting, uh, because I'm... I How old are you, by the way? I meant to ask. Hey, yeah, no problem. I'm actually going to be 31 this October, October 7th. I'm 61, and it's, it's interesting because coming from a different generation, when I was growing up in the 70s, of course, we didn't have computers. Uh, we didn't have any of that. We just had telephones and leaflets, and um, as antiquated as that sounds. But it's very interesting because when, when shit hit came down and push came to shove, uh, we found that the only way we could act together was by really knowing each other. And it, it didn't really revolve around information because we're now in an information society, information-based. It wasn't about information then. It was about experience. It was about people. And all of our discussions were not uh, – I mean, you couldn't get information. The only information you got was out of uh, the latest newspaper, right? So yeah. information was always held up, but information didn't matter. Because you didn't need information to know who you were and what needed to be done, what the problem was and what we needed to do. So we found that we only had each other to rely on. And so when people were inspired, you'd put up a poster, bang, 200 people would show up physically in a hall. And the energy of people sitting together is very different than when you're on a computer. Of course. And, and so there's a difference focus here. And I found that when we were able to go through – I remember being down once on the Vancouver Longshore during a strike – and the Mounties showed up with clubs, and they were beating everybody. They were shooting people. It was really horrible. Mm. And yet, the people were able to fight back because we knew each other. We could, we knew we could rely on each other. We had each other's backs covered. It was a, it was a direct physical experience, and I find that today lacking. I'm of finding that's that's missing. Oh. There's that spirit of it's very abstract, informational, but it isn't real in a way, you know. Oh. And I, I guess this when I go to New York and I talk to civil rights veterans and that, and and I noticed. Uh, Dick Gregory just died. Amazing man. Uh, black comedian, but he was he used to go down and mock the Ku Klux Klan to their face on these civil rights marches <laughs> and everything. Just joke about them, right? And uh, it always worked. Humor always worked against against violence. But um, I find that they have the same complaint, that, that um, we've lost something really essential, and it's hard to describe to a generation that didn't go through it. But that's part of my role now. I, you know, I, I think trying to br- be a bridge between those two eras because there's strength now, but there's a strength back then that I don't see reflected today. And, well, uh, I, told, I totally yeah, agree. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, do you remember when I talked about our sustainable community ideas? We were going to blend primitive technology, like uh, primitive skills, with modern technology. Mm-hmm. I, I, bas- I find myself basically coming back to one simple truth in my life, and I think in our own ways, most of us... Um, experience this and it ends up proving both you and me and everybody else right all at the same time and everybody has to seek 
their own workable solution that then fits into a workable solution between different people and their own personal stuff. But then you have to find an over strike an overall balance between uh, dichotomies or being too too over here and not enough over here. And what I mean by that is, if you're too computer centered, centered, excuse me, centered or orientated, then you're going to experience that lack of connection, that lack of knowledge, personal uh-huh. knowledge of the person, a community feeling, um, intrinsic, valuable human connection of "I've got you, bro." That we are all here to do this. But at the same time, just purely that, without being able to get get that information, that reach out to all the people that are uh, have access to it in today's day and age, something like that would be crushed. Something like the John Birch Society in today's day and age would be absolutely like Waco style crushed by now, and or the support base would be evaporated through counterintelligence political techniques. So shifting with the times and finding and striking that balance is important, and I believe it's divine intervention for some uh, an old-school veteran like yourself and me who's in the middle and some of my connections who are really truly on the millennial side, which, you know, God, I don't envy those guys. But I think it's important for us to come together in any way that we can. And so I really appreciate everything that you've talked about here. Um, I want to let Corey wrap up with one final question, and then anything that you want to plug, go ahead and plug away. Then we'll, we'll go ahead and end the show. Uh, it seems like one hour is never enough, especially with awesome people like yourself. Yeah, I just want to reiterate the whole uh, uh, experience versus information thing. That's quite poignant. Um, I was having a discussion with someone yesterday regarding uh, the Internet, the mixed blessing of the Internet. Right? It's uh, clearly a destructive technology in terms of it, it's a democ- democ- democratization, if you will, of information. Uh, people have access to all kinds of stuff across the board that 10, 15 years ago uh, a lot more energy to dig up. Um, and so generally, I think that's good. On the other hand, it also appears to me that uh, certain cabals, if you will, or certain groups who for the longest time operated in secret uh, have now been able to turn the tide in a way by operating out in the open and perhaps even using the influx or the easily availability, easy availability of information to, uh, to use that to their benefit. You know, a lot of it is causing panic and chaos, you know, in this time where all, you know, not 20 minutes goes by, 10 minutes goes by, that something, someone doesn't do anything of note, and it's accessible to everyone. uh, Or somebody says something wrong, and then something goes viral, you know, about that Kevin. Right, and then everybody jumps on, and all the camps, and then the bickering back and forth, and, you know, know, it's 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 like the ultimate divide and conquer technology, in a way. And it only works. It only works on those that are wanting and consenting to be divided. Because if you're truly remembering in every moment the power that is brought by human connection 
or knowing yourself, which Kevin is, is lending a, a proper credence to. Uh, you know, the weight of the evidence shows that human connection will always beat out the inf- information internet connection That's in nice. most regards. But when you have a full frontal assault and these people being exposed like they are right now, they're getting desperate and using any strengths that we could possibly perceive against us. But it is backfiring. Like everything that you're seeing, the chaos, I posit or I present to everyone a theory that it is only necessary chaos before the what you called reformation, which I really like that, Kevin, that term reformation. Uh, I, yeah, well, I agree. You know, the in, information by itself is only the beginning. It's not the end. And that's the, yeah, one of, of the differences I see in the de- generations is that, um, you know, information now is equated with action. Um, that personal knowledge of something is almost enough in itself, and that's never the case. It's only a, a preparatory stage to actually what we do. Um, like my inspiration comes from being out in nature. It being it's being with other people. Uh-huh. It's being around children and animals. It's it's about doing things with people, and uh, things are self-evident. That's why what the founding that's fathers right. meant. It's self-evident, and we don't need to be taught it by anybody. So the the whole information technology is based on the idea that somebody else has an answer for you. Uh, you know, and oh, what what we're talking about is that no, we have our own answers. That's the notion of sovereignty, sovereign right. spirituality, sovereign politics. So, at best, information is just a tool, but it can get control of us. And I see that happening all over all the time. People lose perspective because they're plugged in to the system. You know, it wasn't an accident that television was introduced during the height of the MK Ultra mind control experiments by the CIA. In well, 19- you know they hold the yeah. they hold the original patent on that, right? You know, well, you know? in the nineteen in one year in the nineteen fifties, the number of Americans with televisions went from one in a, in a hundred to one in two, and we all know about the alpha wave technology how it puts you into a into a state of sensitivity and all that. Well, it's gone through the roof now with the iPads with the, this internet technology, and and part of me thinks a big part of me thinks that what we need to do is go cold turkey on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. and create something from the grassroots up. And I find when people start doing that, it's amazing what happens. People can bring the information in as a as a subsidiary thing, as a service to that, but it can't be our focus. It's got to be... Exactly. And, and I think we've proven that. when you st- uh, One action is worth 10 million words, and uh, that's what starts bringing about the change. No, I, I agree with you on that. I think we're, we're hitting a lot of the same points and bringing up different aspects of what could or is or should be done, but everything is what it is right now. I think we're both in agreement on that, that everything is happening the way it needs to happen, and we just need to continue to love and be happy and experience nature and do good for others, and also, at the same time, not shy away from battle. Bring. I think one of your quotes that you quoted from Jesus was, uh, I'm not here to bring peace, but I come with a sword of truth, something like that, correct? That's right. That's so <laughs> profound to me. Man, I love that so much. That's well, how I feel. Truth is like a sword. It separates. You know, yes. he said, I come not to bring peace, but where there are five in a household, set three against two. It can't set a father against a son. This is not the prince of peace talking. This is a revolutionary. Right? And, so, uh, and that's the reality. We have to separate and divide. And it's funny, as a minister in the church, I was always being told the opposite. No, you can't do anything. The worst crime is to offend somebody in a congregation and cause people to get upset. I guess they don't read the Bible much, you know, because it's filled with that. You know? It is filled. It's funny because the, the Old Testament is essentially a restatement of, of common law. 
And, and in fact, in the book of Judges and Leviticus, you'll find all sorts of case precedents and maxims of equity or things right. that are so old they cannot possibly be challenged. They're, right. like you said, self-evident. And uh, the courts have acknowledged all over in many different nations that many of their laws are biblical in nature. They're founded right. upon ecclesiastical authority. So when we take that back and we cut out all the bullshit middlemen and we go, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-huh. I have the right to control my mind, government, right, control of the mind, then it just, it just fucks everything up and throws a wrench into their system. And that's what we want to be doing, separating. Well, that's why the king of England, James I, said, if you get rid of bishops, you get rid of kings. Uh, that's why he was terrified of the Puritans, because they said, you just need a congregation, you don't need any ecclesiastical authority, and hence, you don't need any political authority. Yep. People themselves govern. And yep. so, there you go. Cool. Well, hey, is there anything else that you wanted to drop for us, any links or anything like that? Of course, we will be posting everything for you on our description on our actual archive. Yeah. Well, just to uh, encourage people to um, read the books, especially that related to the common law, the background, murderbydecree.com, is very important because it puts the meat on the bones of this whole issue of how genocide uh, is continuing. I did want to plug something on September 6th. The tribunal is releasing a global report on what they call the continuity of genocidal crime, not only in Canada and North America, but around the world. It's showing how the crimes of the past are being perpetrated still today by the very same people. Mm-hmm. And you can find that at itccs.org on September 6th. It'll be released in, in Brussels and New York and other places. Um, but related to that, people really need to um, contact us if they want to be involved in this campaign. You can reach me uh, – uh, the common land at gmail.com it's an easy way to reach um, for people listening right now but um, I want to thank you guys I hope we can stay in touch and work off uh, you know offline in uh, in doing work together I really uh, appreciate that yeah absolutely I mean uh, speaking for myself I know Corey uh, is expressed interest in getting involved here but myself I'm willing to travel I have friends on uh, Nanaimo and Vancouver Island I've been to Canada multiple times and obviously not to the colder central parts but I'm willing to go up there and visit you uh, I would love to, to maybe do some stuff in person and talk about a few things that I'm working on right now uh, with regard to actually getting my declaring my family its own royalty if you will setting up these longevity trusts and basically doing exactly what the Rothschilds and all these families have done for their own progeny I'm doing it myself and claiming the right to do it and it's some very powerful stuff that uh, that is is not being talked about there's a lot of misinformation people are going off old information from Robert Menard or Tim Turner or Roger Elvick or Gene Keating and this new Heather Ann Tucci with a Treasury Direct account all this crap that's just convoluting the area I'm actually piercing through with the help of piercing the veil right <laughs> with the help of a few mentors and there's some a lot of stuff I'd really like to work with you on so thank you for Absolutely. that invitation I wholeheartedly accept and we'll, we'll yeah, get to that send me your phone number uh, and we'll, uh, we'll we'll talk that way yeah, absolutely. I believe I believe that's already been sent in an email, but I'll I'll Skype it to you and we'll go from okay. there. Thank you. Uh, Thank you both. I appreciate it. You're yeah, so well. Thank you. We, we're so grateful for this, and we need to get you back on in the future if we can. Does that yep, sound good? Anytime. Anytime. We're we've got some things planned for the fall and into the spring. We can talk about next time, but yeah, we'll talk more let's, about the campaigns. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get you as much. Exactly. Let's get you as much exposure as possible. Thanks Thank once again, uh, Reverend Kev- Kevin Annette, right there, everyone. A wonderful guest, one of our most powerful guests. We have 
so many people that we want to get on this show, but the ones that do make it are usually the ones that needed to be here. So that was just excellent. Corey, I want to thank you so much for being here. Um, I might just let you run the next one uh, with this guest so that you can yeah. get a lot of your points out. There's, <laughs> there's it's not good a lot to be of time, back. It's you know? been a while, man. It's been a while. Yeah. It's good to be back alive almost. Yeah. Excellent. So, yeah, ex- expect another live show next week. Listeners, we'll continue on from there. Uh, excuse me, not next week. I apologize. Uh, at the start of September, Sunday. we'll be resuming live shows. And until then, pierce the veil and the truth will reveal itself. <laughs> <laughs>